0: this book y'all in this book I have found comfort when I was broken hearted in this book I have received peace when I was going through turmoil and trouble of all kind in this book I have received discipline when I was disobedient and rebellious But most of all, because of this book, I am reminded daily of how much God loves me. Friend, I pray that you are taking advantage of this book. Over the years that I've been reading it and studying it, I've also found incredible insight and illumination on how to live a godly life. I didn't always do it, but I learned how to do it. Amen. And that really proves my next point, and that is this there are some things that you simply cannot change by reading a book. Would you agree with that? Successful change comes when I institute the principles found in this book. Successful change comes when I add good habits to my life that I learn from this book. For several weeks, God's Word has been teaching you and I about things we ought to do, practices that we must add to our faith in order to live in harmony With God's perfect will for our life. Just like you add furniture, just like you add cabinetry, just like you add appliances to make your home more useful. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, that's on page 1079 in the Bibles in front of you. The Bible also tells us that there are components that you and I must add in order to become more useful, more effective Christians in this world. If you want to follow along there on page 1079, we've learned that in order to build our lives on Christ, we must first stake out God's property. The Bible says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, what am I talking about? I'm talking about faith. And that is the building block of salvation. Then we've learned that as God's power moves upon us in our Christian lives, He begins to separate us from that old sin life and unto the God life. That's called virtue, and it's the building block of separation. Then as you grow in the knowledge of God's truth, we recognize, you know what? I'm called apart. I am set apart to do good things for God. I am set apart to be a positive influence for the God who created me. Friend, that is the building block of sanctification. Then, as we learn to unselfishly give God control of our lives, we are released to do his will and serve other people. That's the building block of service. Last week we found, you know what? You can't have a testimony without a test. We cannot have a testimony without a test. Therefore, we must persevere through trouble. We must persevere through trials. We must persevere through the struggles and add the building block of suffering. Today, God's Word calls us to add godliness. Add godliness to our Christian lives, which we will find is the building block of submission. Now... Uh, Just a couple of pages over at page 1054 in your Bibles. Paul teaches us about godliness, and he's writing to his young friend Timothy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, here is what Paul instructs Timothy to do. Now, you need to know that Timothy was the pastor at the church at Ephesus. And so Paul was giving him some really good information some really good tidbits, some golden nuggets of how to build his life on Christ and how he might be used to help others build their life on Christ. And here's what he said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. Paul said, But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness, For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that now is and that of which is yet to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust the living God who is the Savior of all men especially of those who believe. These things, Timothy, command and teach. In verse 12 he says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to the reading, to the exhortation, and to the doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Which was given to you by prophecy. With the laying on of hands of the eldership. Verse 15 says. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. That your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself. And to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this. You will save both yourself. And. And. Those who hear you. To become like God, to be filled with godliness, we must first bow before the God who created us. We are nothing without Him, we are nothing without God. And today we're going to see that by adding this building block of submission to God, We will yield much godliness in my life and in yours. But where in the world do we find godliness? Where do we find godliness? I want to share with you three different factors that combine together to establish godliness in your life and mine. Number one, godliness is found In humility, Peter wrote in his first letter, he said, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. Friend, when you find a church that is alive, one that is vibrant, one that is growing, one thing that you will never see in that church is one individual trying to exalt himself or herself above all the rest. Instead, you will see humility. You will see submission before God and before others. The day that we think that we are something on our own is the day we blow it in pursuit of godliness. The day that a pastor, a deacon, or any other church member deems himself or herself too important to do any job in the church is the day we've missed humility and the day we've turned away from godliness in fact did you know brother how that there is no one lower than a deacon except the pastor there's no one lower in this building than the pastor And so if you are more concerned with what people think of you rather than what God thinks of you, you'll never be the godly man or godly woman that he wants you to be. Godliness comes from humility. True humility. But godliness is also found in the fear of God. We were talking about this in our life group this morning. That we love the grace of God. We love the love of God. We love the mercy of God. But boy, we don't like to talk about the wrath of God, do we? Does it make God happy when I, as his son, sin? No, it does not. Jesus said, do not fear those who can kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body. Friends, God's the one we ought to fear. Not your government. Not some political uh, party. Not an employer. Not even your family. It's God we ought to fear. He's the one that's got the power. Now, this fear I'm talking about is not the same kind of fear that you and I get when we see the blue lights of a state trooper behind us. Amen? Y'all know that feeling I'm talking about? I mean, it's like, whoo, man. It, is, it goes right head to toe on me. Thank God it doesn't happen too often, amen. But uh, it's not the same kind of fear that I get when I get pulled over. It's not the same kind of fear when I, when I confront somebody that I know can whoop me. Amen. It's not that kind of fear. This is the kind of fear that says this. God is in charge of my life. I'm not. It's the kind of fear that says He's in charge. And because he's in charge, I will obey him and do what he tells me to do. Godliness comes when we have a healthy fear of God. But godliness also is found in worship. It comes when you give God the glory, when you give God the worship, when you give God the honor for everything that he's done in your life. When you begin to wholeheartedly proclaim the Lord is God, And you're placing him above everything else in your life and you're bowing below all the other things going on then you know you're beginning to worship we might have traditional worship we might have contemporary worship we might have a blended worship but the big question is this y'all do we have authentic worship is it genuine are you really coming here Are you really worshiping God? Are you really exalting Him to the place He deserves? Are you bowing before His majesty? Is your worship real? Are you coming and clocking in and leaving for the week? Only you can decide that. Sometimes we sing praise choruses, and those praise choruses proclaim the victory of Christ in our life. Sometimes we sing hymns and they proclaim our faith in Christ, both equally important. It may not happen the same way every time, but know this. When you exalt Jesus as the number one priority in your life, when you bow before him spiritually speaking, friend, he's going to touch you. He's going to touch you and you will know. You will leave this place knowing that you have worshiped God. I pray that happens every time you leave this building. Worship God. So where do we find godliness? Well, if you're going to be a godly Christian, you've got to be willing to humble yourself before others, be willing to have a healthy fear of God, and also be willing to submit to the Lord Jesus in true, genuine worship. But how do we form it? How do we form godliness? The easy way to remember how to build godliness, how to form godliness in your life, is three phrases. Work out, look up, and press on. Will you say that with me? Work out, look up, and press on. That was good. A little bit louder now. Ready? Work out, look up, and press on. Yeah. Amen. You're getting it now. First thing you got to do if you're going to add godliness to your life, is you got to work out. Do you hear what uh, verse 7 said? we got to exercise ourselves. Now, some of y'all ain't going to like that at all. But the Bible says we got to exercise, exercise ourselves toward godliness. How in the world are we going to do that? How are we going to exercise ourselves toward godliness? Well, I want to give you three steps that you can know. That you're exercising toward godliness. Number one, you need to have a morning quiet time in God's word. See, you you can't just believe it. You got to read it every day. That will help build godliness. Number two, not only have a morning quiet time, but hear the preaching of God's word. You must not only be disciplined enough to read The word, but you also must be disciplined enough to respond to the word. And that's what we provide here by explaining the scriptures. I am urging you to respond to God's word because responding to the Bible is critical to godliness. We got to have that. So you got to read it and you got to respond to it. But number three, we also need to head to a life group. Head to a life group to study God's Word. Unless you will discipline yourself to uh, go to a small group Bible study. Unless you will do that, you will likely never grow in godliness. We need that. I want to really, really encourage you to get your tail into a life group. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen? Amen. Because the teaching of God's Word, the instruction of God's Word happens there that's where the Word of God becomes relevant to your life. So you've got to read it. You've got to respond to it. And then you have to accept it as being relevant in your life. All those things produce the discipline we need to know the Scriptures and build godliness. But there's a second key. Not only do we add godliness by working out, uh, doing it with discipline, but we also need to develop our spiritual gift. Look what verse 14 says. Paul said, Do not neglect the gift that is in you. If a person has been saved through faith in Jesus Christ, that person, according to the authority in the scriptures, has been given at least one Probably more than that, but at least one spiritual gift. After you get saved, it is then your responsibility, friend, to discover what that gift is and use it. Can I get an amen? Amen. When you get saved, it's your charge to discover how you are to be used by God and then to do it. To use that gift. Just listen to what Paul wrote to the Roman church in chapter 12, verse uh, 3. He said, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone, say everyone, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members, a lot of members in here, look around, everybody. Everybody look around. Look behind you. Y'all don't ever look behind you. Look around, there's a lot of members, right? For as we have many members, this is one body. Y'all getting me? Y'all see a lot of members, but we're only one body. But all the members don't have the same function. Who's going to preach next week? Gerald Glover. I'm going to call you on that one day. You're keep on doing that. Amen, I'd love to see that one day. Hey, it's not here, here, and here. It's all here. We just have different functions. Amen? We all have different functions. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Did y'all hear that? All the members in here have a gift. The Bible says, let us use those gifts. If it's prophecy, teaching, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If it's ministry, let us use it in ministering. If it's teaching, let us use it in teaching. If it's in exhortation, let us use it by encouraging other people. If it's giving, use it with all generosity. If it's leading, do it with diligence. If it's showing mercy, do it. Use it with all cheerfulness. Friend, we've all got gifts. And being a member of the local church has very little to do with membership. But being a part of a local church has everything to do with using your spiritual gifts for the good of the whole body. If you'll work out using what God gave you, He will work in godliness in your life. He'll do it. Now, there's a third key to this workout, and that is we need to determine to examine ourselves. Look at what Paul said in verse 16 Take heed to yourself, look in the mirror before you go pointing your finger somewhere else. Amen? In other words, we need to practice what we're preaching. Practice what we're standing for here as a body of Christ. We will never experience godliness until we start doing what God told us to do. So we got to pay extra close attention to ourselves pay extra attention to how you're living watch what you're doing watch how you're talking evaluate how you're acting are you living what you're proclaiming your presence here tells me that you're proclaiming to be a christian are you living that way out there are you making a difference that way Maybe we need to ask ourselves this question. Am I the same person I've always been? Am I the same person that I was before I came to Christ? Furthermore, am I the same person that I was last year? I should be different. Would you agree? Say amen. if you are the same as you've always been, if you are the same as you were last year, I want to encourage you to ask God this. God, what is it that I'm not doing that would help me to be more like you? Lord, what is it that I'm not doing that would help me to be more godly. Lord, teach me to discipline myself to read your word. Teach me, Lord, to learn to respond to your word by using my spiritual gifts. Lord, teach me to discipline discipline myself to examine my walk so that I become more relevant In somebody else's life. Because I'm living real. Teach me Lord. To work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Friends to build godliness. We got to be willing to work out. But we also have to be willing. To look up. To look up and trust God. Look in verse 10. He says, for to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. We trust in the living God. Now, Jesus said, there's a narrow way that leads to heaven and there's a broad way that leads to hell. Few people will walk in the narrow way, but a whole bunch of them will walk in the broad way. And the Bible teaches that only those who trust in the living God, those who trust the narrow way of Christ, are the ones that are going to heaven. Are you included in that? When we fix our eyes on Christ and Him alone, when we trust Him in all things every day, then you're beginning to live your life in submission to God. Then you're beginning to add godliness. To your life. So to build it, you gotta work out. To build it, you've got to look up. But thirdly, we've got to press on. Even when the pain comes, you gotta press on. Look in verse 15. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may become evident to all. You see, godliness has a cost godliness has a cost I was reminded of a commercial that advertised this battery powered device that would tone your abs overnight all you had to do is you just strap it around your waist you click the on button and overnight man you are Tight and toned. I looked at that commercial and I said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Everybody knows that two gallons of belly ain't going to turn into a six-pack of abs overnight. (laughs) Everybody knows that ain't going to happen without a lot of hard work. Everybody knows that's not going to happen without a lot of pain, without a lot of strain. See, if you're going to get that, you've got to put forth a lot of effort. Friends, if you're going to be godly, it's going to take a little effort. If you're going to be godly, it's going to take a lot of effort. And there ain't no easy way around it. There's no easy way to get it. There's no pill you can swallow. There's no device you can strap around your waist to make you more godly. You've got to be willing to give up some things in submission to God. You've got to be willing to do some things even when you're tired even when you're weary, even when you just don't feel like it. We have to learn to press on with God if we're going to grow in godliness. So, we find godliness in humility, godly fear, and worship. We form godliness by working out, looking up, and pressing on. But what's the fruit? What's the fruit of godliness? See, when you find godliness, when you form godliness, there's going to be some visible evidence. People are going to look at you and they're going to say, he's more godly. I see that she has been adding godliness to her life on Christ. evidence well first of all godliness yields confidence in verse 12 Paul said let no one despise your youth but be an example to the believers he said be an example of a man who is living a life in submission to God if you want to have confidence in your life as a Christian I want to give you three words practice practice Practice. Build that confidence by practicing. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're a believer. Stand with God. Stand up with God. Stand out with God. Speak up for Christ and speak out for the Lord Jesus. Why? Because godliness brings confidence. It makes you more bold. But here's some more fruit for you. Confidence or godliness also yields character. Look there at the end of verse 12. But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. See, Paul says when you see godliness in your life, you're going to see it in five areas. Five areas. When you start adding godliness, you're going to see it in your speech. You're going to be able to detect godliness in what you say, in how you talk to other people. He also says you're going to see it in your conduct. You're going to see godliness in what you do or in what you don't do not He said you'll be able to detect godliness in your love. That is, what you're passionate about. Are you passionate about heavenly things or earthly things? Are you passionate about temporary things or about eternal things? He said you'll also be able to detect godliness in your faith. That is, what you believe. Are you basing your faith on godly things or worldly things? You'd be surprised at how many Christians are living worldly. But he also says you'll be able to detect it in your purity, in how you live. Are you living like Christ or are you living like the devil? Which one is it? You see, godly people have godly hearts and they produce godly speech. Godly people know that what they do speaks volumes louder than what they say. Godly people love Jesus more than anything else in this world. Godly people live what they believe. Godly people remove those unholy things that they know will separate them from God. So godliness yields confidence, and it yields character. But finally, it also yields submission. Submission to God. A person that's living with this kind of Christian confidence, living with this kind of godly character, will be a person that's living in submission to God's will. You see, only God and you really know what's in your heart. Only you two know what's in there. But that's where godliness begins. Godliness begins in your heart. And if you can say today that you are the master of your heart, then you are probably self-centered and lost. But if you can say that God is the master of your heart, then you're probably God-centered and saved. Friend, have you built submission to God into your life? Would you like to? Jesus says we have the power to do these things. When we come to Him by faith, having received not only eternal salvation, but having received the Holy Spirit to empower us to do such things. You can have that today. But you know, there's probably a lot of Christians in here today that said, you know, I've been living as a Christian for a long time. And when I look in the mirror, I don't see much godliness. Can I tell you today, you can have it if you'll just yield in submission to God. Let me pray for you. Father God, this is the portion of our worship where we respond to your word Lord so many times we submit to the God of self and don't submit to the God who made us and saved us Father my prayer is today that we've all heard your word clearly We've all recognized that there are areas of our life that need to change. And that, Lord, these words are just words on a page if we leave them there without a response. Lord, help us to know that this altar is available as a solemn act of